You're listening to the Hardjammer. Episode 244. On the night's episode, the Muttlings get together to celebrate the birthday of the game. They're playing five years of playing all sorts of things in the realms. All sorts of fun. All sorts of happiness. All sorts of building models. All sorts of telling stories. Uh, it gets to be exhausting after a while, all the stuff they put together in five years. So shut up! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage Tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you great memories, promises of futures to come, and happy birthday, Age of Sigmar. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Dave Wojtek. And we are here playing stuff early, early, 4th of July birthday episode of Garage Hammer. Alex, it's nice to have you back after your... There, huh? So, um, you're still in the middle of house running, house switching, house swapping, house whatever you want to call it. Busy, busy boy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so... I know I've been kind of absent, um, and I'll be missing the next episode, I think. Yep. Um, but we close on the houses theoretically the 23rd of July. So, yeah, I'm going to be packing and moving for the next couple of weeks. Um, so, unfortunately, you'll be stuck with Dave. Yeah, you know, it's kind of what happens. Yeah. But uh, it sounds like uh, Andrew, Mr. Mephisto, did pretty good with the OBR episodes. Yes, he uh, he knows his he knows his Bone Reapers, and uh, he really uh, kept things running here. Um, it was nice uh, that uh, we managed to find somebody who was that ready to go and just that enthusiastic about about their favorite book. So hopefully. Uh, Hopefully, I can keep bringing in some quality help and quality, um, quality. I mean, let's face it. He he knew what he was talking about, which was great because if it would have been just me, it would have been something else. So, <laughs> something about bone constructs doing trust falls and it happens. Um, yeah. So, in any event, we should probably get on to the reason why we're talking. But also, we need to thank people that keep the lights on. <laughs> yes, we do. So, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Org Superstore. Chaos Org Superstore, Chaos Org Superstore, Chaos Org Superstore. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing and MDF needs. And Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois. There's always something happening at Grognard's. They're reopened. Yay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was able to go there, actually. It was nice. But you know what? It's not just the sponsors, the big sponsors that keep the show going. It's also, it's also our Patreon sponsors and our Patreon sponsors, the almost 1% who keep this show and everything we do on it possible. And that includes our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, Lance Pear, our executive producers, Colin Miller and Andrew Frankusen, and our newest patrons, Daniel Chilton and Dan Warner. We want to thank both of you guys and everybody 
who has been a patron in the past, everyone who is still a patron, everyone who's considering being a patron. In fact, just want to thank all you guys, everybody who puts in effort and time to listen and who decides that this is worth something that we are going to contribute to in a very real and um, an important way. Thank you all for being part of the 1% who keep this show going. Thank you much. Um, and even though it's not going, um, even though we don't have them running up, up and running for today's episode, um, because we're talking birthday parties and stuff like that, and um, we just don't have the voicemails up for this episode, but for people who would like to leave a voicemail, who would like to say hey, who would like to be possibly on the show, giving their feedback, their opinions, their ideas, you can call the voicemail line at 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers dial 00. And then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6, and you can call and leave us a voicemail. We love to get the voicemails. We love to hear them. We love to hear from people. It's wonderful. I didn't realize that we still had voicemail after being gone for a month, so you kind of caught me off guard there. Did I? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Not really. I know we have voicemail. Everyone knows we have voicemail. We just don't have a voicemail. Uh, I don't think we have voicemail. one right now. We might. But just keep saying voicemail. It works. It's the same thing. We just yes. we get we get the idea. We have the thing that happens. The people call. They leave the voicemail. Then we listen to the voicemail. It's a nice thing. It really is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Then we will be right back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. We are back with the Toolbox, brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Yeah, yeah. So, Javi. Yes. Um, are you kidding? I, I saw uh, on Twitter last night you were uh, adding uh, final washes and basing to 150 dudes or something like that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so my current project is to try to get um, my Lannisters done for the Song of Ice and Fire okay. um, miniature game. So I'm doing a concept army where they are uh, like statues on a painted table. If you've watched Game of Thrones, the table at Dragonstone where it has the map scratched into it and it's got all the different pieces that go with it. If you're familiar with it, that's what a painted table is. So that's what they're supposed to be. So they're statues. I'm going to do a couple little extra bits, but basically I wanted to make sure that I got this army done quickly uh, in a unique fashion. So the bulk of it is done. I just have to do some additional bits and bobs and paint banners and then all of the characters with names i'm going to paint in full color because they're the important ones in the grand scheme of things the game of thrones right so i'm focusing more on the players versus the pieces so but then it's 105 models and then i have another uh 27 to do full color which is realistically not a lot but it takes me to less than 100 models and then when I get the rest of the characters done, it'll put me down to about 70 models left to do for the year to get to 100%. Wow. So that's what I've been trying to do. But on an Age of Sigmar level, since the last time we talked, I've finished all of the warbands for Warhammer Underworlds. So that's one of my goals from, like I think, two years ago. I said I was going to finish them all, but I finally did now. And then I also finished two warbands for Warhammer under for uh, Warhammer Warcry. Okay. Uh, Stormcast Vanguard and Stormcast uh, Sacrosanct Chamber. So, do you, have you done all? Uh, do you have all the Warcry warbands done too, or are you? The only one that I still have that I haven't finished is actually I have two. I have a uh, Zinch. Disciples is each warband. It's basically just the Zinch miniatures from Silver Tower. I still have to finish the Zangors from that. And then I have a Legions of Nagash warband to paint, which is just 10 skeletons, 10 graveyard, and a necromancer. Wow. Okay. So, and I'm doing all of that contrast, so it's going to be fast when I get to it. Uh, but most of it that is packed up. So I'm kind of coasting on the Lannisters to get me through this move because they don't take up a lot of space, realistically. I mean, it's 100 models or so, but it doesn't involve everything else that could be packed easily, which is the rest of my AOS stuff. So, but no, it's getting really close to like being done um which is kind of crazy to think that i might actually do this well that is crazy my uh my whole my whole getting 100 percent done is working in the exact opposite direction because i'm just getting rid of anything that's not painted and done so that works too well but, didn't you get some elves uh i did i got a box of them um this weekend, I did pick up the uh, well. Harrison picked up because it's army. Um, mm-hmm. 
I just, well, I just, I got it, and it's here at the house. I'm, I'm starting to build them for him, yeah, the new Lumineth Realm Lords. Um, we are super excited about that whole book. He is, uh, he is really jazzed. He is looking forward to playing. Um, as soon as the rest of his army comes out, because right now he's got two units and a character, so he's not quite at, you know, I think that's like 440 points or something like that. It's something. It's not something huge. Yeah, um, most of which is Eltharian. But yeah, no, the models have just been really well received by the community. I mean, they're crazy. I raz on Texas all the time, uh huh, and he deserves every bit of raz that you say I give so. him. However, that Eltharian model, especially like what Les Martin did with him, yeah, it's just ridiculous. The bone and purple. So, no, it's uh, they're all really. They're they're pretty cool. They're I'm I'm just really impressed with what I saw. Um, those really really long spears are. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to like you know cut up and readjust some of the battle foam that I have if I want to put those in the existing foam because they're really long. Yeah. Um. I worry. I'm not gonna lie. I worry that they're gonna they're gonna break sitting on the table. You know, when they coming out that first, just getting your other models, you know, from your uh, opponent, just when they start charging and getting into base to base, because those they're really long. Um, and everyone knows the worst thing to do is to fix, try to fix uh, spears or something like that. Long hand, long thin. Uh, you can't even pin them if they crack. You got to just try to figure out some way to put them together. So they're scary, mm-hmm. but boy, it's just. It's a those are really nice kits. It's it's impressive how uh, how nice everything in there looks. So we are uh, we are excited because um, that's that's the next thing on the table right now. Well, as people are listening to this, um, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, I'm probably not even built them yet. I'll be doing it in the next day or two because I am finishing up. Um, I got. Uh, all those Star Wars models that I'm finishing from the Bandai ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really nice. They come on the nice little stands. They're really, I mean, they're super detailed. And I'm just about done with everything I picked up except for one model, which I'm not going to get done for this little thing. But Heather's birthday is uh, in the next day or so. And, uh, you know, both Star Wars fans. And I got her like a real gift, like something nice. But I also, when we all went on to quarantine, the one of the stores I was at trying to grab some stuff to keep everybody busy because we thought it would be a few weeks and not a few months. And I'm like, oh, I can grab these. And while we're all just sitting around, I can try to get these models uh, painted up and done and uh, give them to Heather on top of the real gift. Something she could put on her desk at work, you know, some of these little cool Star Wars models. Because they're like on little display bases and things like that. And so I'm just about done. And I'm going to be giving them to her next week. And once that is over, uh, I can get back to uh, getting Harrison's models built. So he's got something and we can, uh, you know, check that out. But that's uh, that's been my hobby mostly for the last week or two is trying to get, all, get the final touches on these uh, Bandai models for Star Wars done for Heather's birthday. And then... Uh, and then we'll build a few Realm Lords. Because um, that's not going to be a huge, huge army, I don't think, based on you know the the point costs that I saw in the back of the book. Uh, once you throw in a few characters, I mean, I'm, 
it seems elite, you know, getting into, uh, well, depending on your build, I guess, but you can get in the Stormcast levels of, you know, there's a 35 model army. So, mm-hmm. uh, we're looking forward to that. Plus it's a totally, if I, if we're going to, going to help him paint them, um, then, uh, it's a paint scheme, you know, even painting like the old elves. I haven't painted old high elf paint scheme in, you know, 10 years. So, um, it'll be, it'll be something different, a nice change of pace from working on purple and greens from the, uh, night haunt. So that's my, that's my big hobby, uh, going through there. Um, have you been playing at all? Playing anything? You haven't been able to, have you? No. No. No, no, of course not. And uh neither have I. Just been uh well, I mean that's that's the the curse of the of the everyone being locked away. Um I think the last game I played was a number of weeks ago. I played a game of Underworlds with Tyler Mangle. Oh yeah? Uh via Skype or Zoom or one of the two platforms. Uh, My Lady Harrow's Mournflight, that's the Banshees against uh, his Rippa's Snarlfangs. That's the Wolf Riders. Oh, cool. So, no, it was good to actually like play a game, but uh, a bit complicated over camera. <laughs> you just got to be patient. Um, but no, super fun. But I haven't really done anything else. Uh, most of my energy has been towards packing, cleaning, and finding houses so <laughs> it's been a mess folks <sighs> are you just continuing on with the endless bad horror movie thing still oh yeah no not even some of the bad ones i've been watching some good ones too but yeah that's been uh that's been in the other yeah i've been uh i've been i watch i watch them a lot because i you know I, i've got them and someone was actually commenting on it on social. They're like, do you watch anything other than movies? I'm like, not lately. Um, I mean, I do, but I mean, for the most part, I, dude, I love horror movies. I've been, I've watched them since I was a kid, and then I had little kids, and you can't watch them in front of little kids, so you don't watch them. And then they start to get older, and they start to get a little older, and then the next thing creeps up on you. And it's like, oh wait, everybody's old enough to just do their own thing, and I don't have to worry about them. So now I can do whatever. So I'm playing catch up. So we've been watching a bunch of things. Um, Isn't it catsup? It, no, no, it is definitely not. It is absolutely not catsup. Dear Lord, what is the matter with you? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It happens. Um, yeah, no, but then been watching that and um, I spent half my time either putting stuff up on eBay or different uh, different sources trying to clean out this area in the basement. Um, just trying to get stuff uh, moved because we've got so many people in the house and it's crowded. <laughs> and yes. everyone's on top of each other. So I'm just making room for for everything that's going on by getting clearing and cleaning. That's been a lot of my hobby and having movies on in the background. And uh, and then I've, I've been watching the old show. Not the old show. It's, well, it's kind of old, but... Uh, Boston Legal finally is up on streaming. It's on Hulu, and I'm like, Harrison, have you ever seen this show? And he was like, No, I, you, I have, you know, I haven't because you've told me about it. We've never watched it, so we started watching it, and he got hooked. So now in the evenings when we're hanging out, he and I, he'll put that on, and so we're about halfway through that show. Um, 
But that's about it. Just uh, down here hobbying. A lot of times uh, I'll have Skype, you know, paint night, just uh, sitting and painting, and then rotor will call, and we'll just sit and be hobbying and talking to rotor, um, painting models, talking smack, trying to just uh, have a little human contact uh, when you can't really go out and do things. So that's been mm-hmm. that's been my other as well. Um, they are opening things up here in Illinois because our our numbers are are trending the right way. So Heather and I did, Heather and I did get to go and uh, go to a, a nice socially distanced uh, going out to eat though out somewhere, which was really nice <laughs> to be able to get out and go just sit somewhere and eat and just hang out and uh, be inside and not have to be at the whims of the weather. When they started opening up the outside dining, we've gone out twice to try it, and um, one time, or the first time we went, literally, we left the house, and it was one temperature. We drove the 15 minutes to get to the place with the outside dining, and the temperature dropped like 15 degrees in those in those 15 minutes it took us to drive there, and so we're sitting outside, and now we're in the shade, and we didn't have jackets and stuff because it was so nice when we left the house, and it did. It just was this huge, quick shift. And so we we had an appetizer, and we decided, you know what, we're probably going to just go because we're flipping freezing. Um, and then the next time we tried it, we got uh, got our drinks and were just ordered dinner, and um, these clouds just rolled in. It was supposed to be sunny all day, and all of a sudden, shift in the weather pattern, and next thing we knew, it was raining. And it's like they had to go, and they had to kept us separated and get us our food and got us out of there, and we're like, oh, are you kidding me? So... Um, it was nice to be able to go in inside and do something because, I mean, I'm not having too bad of a time with it, you know, well, mostly because I'm distracted and keeping everybody else entertained and trying to keep them going. But uh, Heather really needed to get out. So it was nice for just the two of us to be able to get out and uh, stop being so completely stir crazy. So that's how that is. How about you? What have you been doing for other? Nothing. Um, I've been house hunting, <laughs> keeping my house clean for showings for trying to sell it. Granted, we only had to do that for a couple of days, which was f- very fortunate. Wait, you um, sold your house in like three days, didn't you? Two. Two. Did you have cookies baking when people came by to see it so that it smelled nice? No, didn't need to. <laughs> I guess not. Gee whiz. No, we our house pretty much sold day one. Um it's just kind of a long and crazy story, but we had seven showings in a day and a half and five offers. Wow. That's fantastic. That just that just seems so crazy to me. Like Yeah. And we sold over list, which was always a good thing. Um and our house will appraise that. We're not worried about that at all. Um so it's just it's been an adjustment, um, but the folks that we sold to, um, they're an elderly couple. They're looking for a ranch in our neighborhood where everything's on the main floor because they've got some health concerns and their current house is just not working for them mm-hmm. because it's an older house and it's like an old Chicago-style bungalow with a lot of stairs Oh yeah, and everything. So uh, their daughter lives further back in our subdivision so like her daughter and the daughter's husband were just walking around they saw my sister's sign who's our real estate agent 
and they called her immediately and said, hey, can we get a showing? By the way, we don't have a real estate agent. We need a real estate agent. So my sister's representing them on the purchase, us on the sell. And it just works out for everybody realistically. So no, it's been, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they weren't the stoffer that we got, but it means the most to this family because they've been trying to get these folks in a ranch in this neighborhood for like four or five years. And they're older. They've got health concerns. It's like, you know what? They may not be the best offer, but we're doing the right thing for this family to get them into this neighborhood. So let's go with that. Yeah, that's really nice. And we've been really accommodating to them. Um, Like they had a a contractor out here to figure out how to put in a rail or like a arm rail to say they could walk up the steps in the garage, Uh the back porch in the front. And my sister's like, why are you letting them do that? And it's like, why wouldn't I let them do that? I would want my parents treated this way if the situation was reversed because they're going to need to get into the house day one. And if they can't do that, (laughs) what the hell's the point? Right. But regardless, uh, that's been my other has been looking at houses and dealing with jackholes that uh, buy and sell houses. So, Mm. yeah. Uh, yep, you're selling houses. I'm watching horror movies and documentaries on horror movies because Shutter's awesome. They're not a sponsor, but I kind of almost wish they were because, man, that's okay. Ugh, seriously, for five bucks a month, I watched Eli Roth's History of Horror with Heather. That was really cool talking about the different things and uh, like or hate his movies. There is a guy who has a passion for this style of filmmaking and this storytelling, and um, that documentary was great. We watched the. Uh, Long documentaries on Nightmare on Elm Street. There's one about it making Hellraiser. We watched one about the guy Kane Kane uh, Hodor or Kane Hodder who plays uh, Hodor. Nah, not Hodor. Um, Hodor who plays uh, plays Jason and in mo- and <laughs> a majority of the the uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies. Um, watched a great documentary on Elm, Elm Street Two. And what it did to that guy's life who played that kid. There's lots of cool stuff. If, you, if you're into this type of thing, there's so much there for you. So we ha- I, we've been having a blast. Um, and then we watched The Boy yesterday, which is creepy doll movies. Creepy doll movies are, are awesome. Um, when I was a little kid, I was terrified of creepy dolls. My mom had a couple of creepy dolls. Um, it scared the heck out of me. Plus... You'd have to go down into our basement to take a shower because that's where the the bathroom that had a shower all right, was. All right, all right. Um, can we talk Age of Sigmar, please? Oh, are you getting creeped out? Because my mom, my I mom's... hate dolls. I hate clowns. My mom's a so... hairdresser, so she used to have these little mannequin heads with hair on it, so she could practice and do hair things on it. So you'd go down in the basement, all and right. all there was was Dude, stands with heads on I hate it. You. It was oh my god. <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's okay. Let's let, we'll, we'll we'll be done. We'll be done. I'll move. We'll move along. We will get done with the toolbox. We're done with this. Let's just move right into the the topic then. So that way, I won't I won't I won't scare you anymore. It ain't scared. It's just irritated. <laughs> but you know, whatever. Well, let's just let's just start this then. Now, um, July fourth, uh, twenty fifteen was when Age of Sigmar first hit 
uh, hit the hit the gaming tables, hit the shelves. Uh, it was released, and um, hey, you know, five years of the game, and it's it's been an interesting five years to say the least. So mm-hmm. uh, I, we're not the only ones. I know there's several other podcasts and uh, YouTube channels and narrative gaming groups and all that, and everyone's trying to put out some material um, this weekend just uh, to sort of, you know, just, I mean, heck, we, we haven't been together as a community pretty much most of the year. I mean, as, as a group together, you know, outside of on social media and things like that. So mm-hmm. we thought uh, a lot of these guys thought it would be nice if we all just sort of put something out. Um, I have no idea. As, at the time that we're recording this, I have no idea if uh, if or what Games Workshop is doing for the big um, five year anniversary. So because uh, you know, 40K is coming out like in a week or two, it seems. Well, the so, GHB 2020 goes on for pre-order on the 4th. Okay, that's so, right. They have that. Yeah, and that's good. And I'm kind of uh, I'm looking forward to that. Let's see what they're what they're doing. I I know they've been. Well, of course, everyone's talking about it um, without having actually seen all of it. Um, but Warhammer community is is putting out their little glimpses and their little discussions and their little things like that. I'm excited to see. Uh, the, the, the the new the new General's Handbook always shakes things up. It always, uh, you know, there's always some changes, always this, that, and the other. At the very least, brings up some discussions. Um, I suppose the one interesting thing this year is when the new handbook comes out. Um, you know, there's always points adjustments and changes and all this stuff, and it and it it, it shakes things up a little bit, um, especially when it comes out and people have tournaments planned and things are happening right away. And then it's like, oh, are we accepting this? Or are we doing the old thing? And now we don't have too many tournaments really going on, so we don't have to worry about that nearly as much. Um, there will be time to adjust before rushing off and having to uh, apply them in a competitive uh, forum. So I'm I'm just interested to see see what's in that book in in general what kind of changes we are in store for um how about you so having worked on it a little bit um well, i know you can't was, talk about like, it too much but well i mean as of pre-order um as long as this goes out on date of pre-order i'm okay hey right it's true that for it's going to go up on pre-order on the fourth right yeah as long yeah, as it releases good. on the fourth yeah so the biggest adjustments have been like the realm rules are changing. The artifacts are changed a lot. Um, so it's going to be a huge difference on that side because there's not as many charts for the realm rules. It's just all of this applies to the realm of fire and that is it. Oh, okay, um, good. There's only one artifact per realm, not the additional 12 from oh. a line sorcery. Oh, and they're not all that good. <laughs> so, like, for however long since Malign uh, Sorcery came out, we've been going ad nauseum about how awful. Or no, it's the forbidden. Ethereal power. amulet is the ethereal mm-hmm. amulet, the ether quartz brooch. Um, all of those things that have been kind of like crutch items are gone. Oh, look at that. There's a G-O-N-E-1. Good. Um, Excellent. <laughs> so, 
I think they're really trying to make the realms more accessible to play in because it's not going to be as confusing. There's not going to be as much bookkeeping. Um, and it really just adds to it without being overwhelmingly immersive. And I am glad when I heard that. I mean, there's some people who like the ideas and some people who don't like the ideas when they're reading this thing because it, of how it affects them personally and their game style and all that, their lists. But, man, thank you for simplifying it. You know, like, I don't mean you personally, but I'm just in general. Thanks to GW for trying to make this easier because, for goodness sake, man, I'm not that good at this game. And it just gets confusing when we've got this many rules, this many things to add in, this many things to change. Um, I'll or, I'll be ordering that uh, probably around the same time I'm building Harrison's stuff. So if we give it a few days, um, then I won't have to teach him all of that. Yeah, I won't have to teach so, him all that stuff. But it's there's some big changes coming out there, and then all the narrative expansion in the GHB that I didn't get to see has been like the most exciting part of this. Um, the skies of slaughter that they're talking about with the aerial campaign battles. And just that the auxiliary um, objectives, like there's just so much to it that I think really expand and improve the game experience, especially when you compare it to what we got for five years ago, whereas four pages of rules and a bunch of war scrolls, most of which had silly rules. Right. So like that initial release was rough. Um, especially when you think about some characters like, uh, Ludwig Schwartzhelm. Oh, uh, so, okay. Yeah. So we're jumping right into this part. Okay. Yeah. No, for sure. Let's do it. <laughs> so you have things like um, Schwartzhelm. You have things like, what's his name? Craigie from the old Anvil of Doom, where oh, you yeah. get a reroll or something if you don't have a beard, but you get a bonus if you have a longer beard than your opponent on one of your other models. There was some stuff in there that was just genuinely dumb. Um, yeah. <sighs> okay. It made it fun, and it gave you a laugh. But when you're trying to take this somewhat seriously, there was a lot of things that are just like, "What the actual hell?" Yeah, um, and, and this and this was this was uh, a bone of contention for a lot of people because this. <sighs> I think we all know that the if this game has a rough spot anywhere, it was initial release. Yes. Um, and I think only Games Workshop and the game that they had built for so many years could have gotten away with this. This is this is a story of um you know falling upwards, tripping uh and and, and, and you know um if, if this was not Warhammer Fantasy the new version, if this was just a new game, I don't think it would have done very well. Um, just, but you had people who, you had thousands and thousands of people who had committed to this game, who had committed to this system, who had all these armies and models. And so that the stuff that they did that was not received well, the stuff that would make most people just be like, ugh, this game's terrible, or this is no good, or I'm not having fun. Um, People said, you know what, let's work around it. Let's try to make this work. That's what I did. I mean, that's what I was doing. You know, yeah. and a lot of people were. Let's try to make this work. Let's do it. I didn't mind the silly rules, but then again, I play mostly narrative gaming. I'm not good. I mean, let's, let's face it. Uh, you know, we got a new game system with all new lore, 
all new stuff, all new everything. And that's where I, that's where my interest will lay, you know. And then they came out with this new army. The, you know, you had the Stormcast, which uh, uh, do you remember when they previewed the when they previewed even the when we first saw the Golden Boys, and we were like, oh, what is this? And then everyone started showing pictures of them, you know, like going in and photoshopping the color changes. Like, oh, these look so much better when they're not gold, when they look like real armor and stuff like that. Now everybody's got these golden boys. Like, it was just such a drastic change that everybody was shocked. Everybody was like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was so narrative focused. Um, it was. It was very open and narrative focused right from the get-go, which... I think helped a lot with the adjustment, but like the rules themselves when it was first released were actually really solid as far as like the mechanics, how the game is played and all that. It was actually really solid. You just had to get past those initial rough spots with wording. But once you got to the actual gameplay, it was a hell of a lot of fun. I enjoyed playing, but okay, it was fun once we got the hand, handle of it on it, and that once again is where only this could only happen with this particular game because there was a lot of rough spots. I mean, let's—I mean, come on, how many? If you go back and listen to the episodes here, you know, um, when we were doing it, it was—you know—one game was really fun and we had a great time, and then the next game. Uh, you know, it was over top of turn two. Like, every other game was over top of turn two. Because nobody knew what they were doing. Nobody knew how to adjust. Nobody knew how to make sense of it. Um, and part of that was just the weird no points thing. The no points, there was no comp until you had stuff that had come out, like the Mo comp with the pool choices. You had S... SDK. Yeah. Um, was what we had used for Adepticon, the initial release of Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. So we had all these fan-created systems for people that put a lot of effort in trying to make this game more accessible and standardized for people because at the beginning, we didn't have that from GW. No. And, um, you know, like it or hate it, um, that, that that was just really rough. I mean, and it wasn't for the first... It was, you know, it was... What, almost a year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was almost a year between initial release and the first GHB. Right. Um, which is interesting because... <laughs> and, and so, so Games Workshop puts out this game, which really does seem... If you want to be nice about it, if you want to be positive about it, they handed us a sandbox. Play how you want. Do whatever you want. Um... This, if you're being cynical, this was laziness on the company's part. Uh, this was this was still the old uh, the old regime. Uh, these are still the guys who said we're a model making company, not a game writing company. Um, these are the guys who are just like, yeah, play however you want. We just want you to build and paint the models. Nobody really cares about the game part of it. Which was yeah. And so then you get new guys in there, and they're like, oh no, wait, let's fix this. Um. But it was, I remember talking to Rotor when the first General's Handbook came out. And you had, that book was, so much of it was open play and narrative play and all the stuff about it. And then you get uh, to the, and then the book is really, there's just not much as far as rules. There's lots of stuff on points, you know. 
Um, and the the points were just. I remember us kind of looking at it and laughing because it was basically the pool points or the whatever you call the 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 you know the, the mocom right. It was that just kind of multiplied by like ten, like before, yeah. yeah. And they just they put it out into a to a points system instead of a little pool choices. Um, but they were able to sit there and because they didn't do any of this, the, the, the community went out and made a bunch of rules so that they could play competitively. And then when one, one group seemed of rules seemed to stand out above the others, <laughs> Games Workshop brought all those guys in that wrote that stuff and said, Hey, uh, we want to, we're going to do this. How did you want to give it a test? Why don't you try it out? Um, and it was very similar to what the community had put out, so they kind of knew what we liked. In you know, in the they're the seeming the seeming majority of people who were doing stuff to adjust for competitive gaming, and they just said, "Okay, this is what you guys like. All right, let's do this." I mean, it's bananas how I, I hate to say they got away with that, but it's kind of like they got away with doing that. Like by the same token, though, they had been working on like a point system for a while. It was trying to find the best one, but it wasn't necessarily the competitive aspect that they were appealing to. It was just the, how do you make an army in a standardized format? So so you can play a game at your local store. So even if it is like a narrative game, but even just having that point structure to help keep it somewhat on the same level was really what they were going for. And the Mo comp and everything like that, that, just proved to be like the most the best bones to work from and then expand for the full point system so I mean good on them for taking something from the community because it actually showed that they listened and it looks like they got away with it but by the same token they wanted to give us what we wanted so well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of any business. So they... How dare they? <laughs> it was it, it was a rough time, but it was a fun time. Um, yeah, I, the Wild I, West. Yeah. I mean, I had fun. Heck, that we were talking about you, you, how we used to whatever it was for that first year at, uh, at, at Adepticon. Um, the SDK? We like, yeah, we had like 40-some-odd players that first year. Like, that was... There was a lot of there was a lot of worry and a lot of concern. Um, well, especially since we were in the same room as like Kings of War and Ninth Age at the time, um, and they were bigger events than we were. But well, and they were bigger events than they ever were. And everyone's like, "Look, everyone's leaving and coming to these games." And everyone, no, 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 they weren't bigger. Oh, that's right. No, they no, they bigger. were. Oh, um, but I can distinctly remember looking at the other side of the room. And I didn't see a lot of smiling faces. I didn't see a lot of people laughing. I didn't see a lot of people having fun. Well, and that was um, part of it is that the people who played with this, it was it, it, it was very narrative uh, that first year, uh, and it still it still can be, and it still is. But like you said, you called it the Wild West. It totally was. Heck, I think I came. Didn't I come in like fourth? Yeah, you did pretty well. Yeah, I mean I that mean, just, that just shows you how how out of out of whack everything was when I came in that high. Like it was whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, it was just like that was it was a more enjoyable experience. It was just pure happy and pure, just good stuff compared to the other half of the room, which was a lot of 
frumpy faces. I think the feeling behind this game changed. I think the it, I don't think it, it just doesn't feel nearly as bad to me as it did back near the end of eighth. Like the the I just I I'm loving where this wound up going after all that uncertainty and all of that. We we wound up with I think a much better community as in we are it's a much more fun community now um than it's ever been and that's partly due to um the players and partly due to games workshop totally changing up its whole strategy but god i just i look back at the last five years of game playing and storytelling and all the things that happened and it's just crazy how far this game has come and how much i enjoy the lore and the stories and all, all the different elements of it really come together. Um, Games Workshop reaching out to the community for the first time in forever mm-hmm. uh, made it made huge differences. Like I'm, it, I can't, I can't say enough how much I. I mean, it's not the same company it was five years ago. It's just not, and it's so much better. Um, it is, yeah. So. I don't know. I've been rambling here, but I just, I kind of do. I get excited because there was so much uncertainty and so much weirdness in that hobby. Heck, I didn't know if this game was still going to be going. I mean, you can, you know, we were every, you know, all of NW2 is gone now, but except for me, you know, nobody plays Warhammer Fantasy from our old group anymore. Like they're all moved on to different mm-hmm. games because. Th- you know, some people are playing Infinity. Some people move to 40K. Some people move to Kings of War. Um, and it's, uh, it's, 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 everything's changed. Uh, but we are, I'm, I mean, I'm still here. Um, maybe because I'm too stubborn to change. <laughs> I built these models. Yes. I built this game. I don't want to play a different game. I tried. I Jordan. tried. Dude, I did. I tried other games, and it was I just know I did them. too. We yeah. all did. Yeah, um, I think it was really just trying to. I think like people have like since this whole pandemic thing has gone on, people have said, "Oh man, gamers are we got this or used to isolate." No, we are not isolative creatures because we still crave that community. We still crave that social interaction, even if it is rolling dice and playing a game. We still want that and i know i looked at malifaux pretty hard um i do like that game that game's yeah, fun um but the point i'm trying to make here is like i looked at malifaux i looked at infinity i didn't look at kings of like i looked at kings of war and said yeah um i didn't really look at ninth age because i was ready to move on from what it was at the time but oh, yeah. that was just me and no, it wasn't just you <laughs> Well, I can only speak for me, and I know I was ready to move on from what that system was, and I think more so it was just I wanted to play games with my friends, and that was why I had looked at other systems, and then everything just started to fall into place with Age of Sigmar. Just click, 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 and... The evolution made it such a huge difference. And then even that first year uh, that Games Workshop came out and they had the community meeting with us at Adepticon. Yeah. Where they took our feedback, positive or negative, depending on who you were, um, 
And it's like, yep, this is what we're trying to do. And start to focus on building that community, getting people involved. And just the 180 that has happened in the mentality of people saying that this is a game that is doomed to fail to this is a game that is thriving and has really kind of like defied the odds in a way. Well, so. and there you go. And there, there's your proof is that Age of Sigmar is way bigger than 8th edition ever was. Well, I mean, from a sales perspective, at one point, Paint was outselling 8th edition. Well, yeah, uh, when it came out, there's nobody then, knew what they were doing. But now it's outselling what it used to do. Uh, you know, I mean... It's not 40K, but it is still something that has produced on their end. And then it has also given feedback, given back to us. Because in the five years that we've had Age of Sigmar, how many battle tomes have we had? Oh, just, oh, I, I, I almost say too I'm not even too talking many. duplicates. No, yeah, like, no, there's like 16 or 17, if you're not counting any duplicates. It's a lot. And they're still coming out with new stuff. They're still, we're looking around going, where, where's these guys? Where's this stuff? Where's this stuff? Yeah. So it's just the development that they've been able to put into it, the restructuring of their teams in within GW for development of rules, development of models, and trying to do pretty much anything and everything that they can to make this a better system and game and lore in general has been absolutely amazing. Right. So much. So, so much. There is so much happening. Um, and that that's... That's uh, that's something we're going to take a break right away, uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of those things, some of those changes, and some of the stuff that we really uh, enjoyed um, over the past few years, the things that have sort of adjusted and grown, and what we like about some of that growth, whether it be uh, the Warhammer community, uh, Games Workshop stuff in general, or stuff we're doing. So we'll be right back, and we'll get right back into it. All right, I need two minutes. If I don't run upstairs and go use the restroom really quick, I'm going to die. So I'm just going to run off. I'll be back in just a minute, okay? Sure. We're still going to end on time. We're still doing good on time. We're hitting almost an hour on the show. We'll be done by 745 at the latest. Um, if Heather comes down and, in fact, you know what, maybe give me a few extra minutes because Heather's going to have to leave for work in a while and I'm going to have to move my car. So let me run upstairs, use the bathroom, and just move my car out of the way so she can pull out of the garage. And then I'll be right back, okay? All right, just don't get all pissy. <laughs> all right, I'll be right back. There's always something happening at Grognards. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons & Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section, and you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols, and if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic, 
probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either, but you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because as the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff, and you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. We are back. Here we are. Back with this. Talking that. Doing stuff. AOS. Having fun. Because that's what we do. Because this game is, if nothing else, fun. Um, now, I don't want to be negative about the game. Uh, and we have been talking a lot about the rough start and the weirdness that happened. But it's such a unique story that it, I don't have a problem um, uh, being honest about how things were a little bit rough um i mean that's it was crazy how little we knew about what was going on um especially because you came out of so much we had a time where games workshop didn't talk to us uh Mm -hmm. where people felt like they were almost being taken advantage of you know with the when white dwarf went to the weekly thing and there was just like you pick stuff up and in a week stuff was coming out you had no clue what was going on and Everybody's like, oh, what's happening? Um, I mean, heck, I was just thinking, Harrison and I were talking about this as I was prepping notes. And just like you said, the paint was out selling 8th edition because how could you possibly get into it? Like for everybody who complained about how, you know, that system was great or what, dude, I had 200 and I had over 240 zombies and... You had literally challenged me to make a thousand, which I was going to try and take you up on because I could put out about five hundred and a couple of characters and then grow the other five hundred into my army uh, because you could literally have an army of a couple hundred models in the in the in that version of the game. Um, mm-hmm. It got out of hand, and now and I say that as I have, and my my current army, the Night Hunt army, is about 130 models. Um, but that's an extreme end. Uh, I've also had 32 model armies. 
with my Stormcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was bananas at the end uh, of how much you had to get, and I I literally had units that were bigger than entire armies of Age of Sigmar. Um, yep, checks and, out. <laughs> yep, and so we get into this new game, and of course. Um, you know, if we start talking about the story and about what happened, I okay, I, I am on record. You can go back when end times happened, when we did our year-end review, and my number one worst thing and number one best thing was they destroyed the old world, and they destroyed the old world because I was not expecting that at the end of that story. Um, but boy, oh boy, did and and this we didn't lose 40 years of lore. We just much, you know, the, the place that that lore happened, doesn't exist anymore, but this is a continuation of that story. And what happened after that big explosion, after that big destruction, um, created a very interesting world. And I liked, I think, I think this was before it was definitely before you were co-hosting. It was when, uh, Chris, you wasn't certain what he wanted to do anymore. He was playing infinity a lot. And uh, I think I had Carl from the independent characters on and he was interested in the new system and stuff. And one of the things we liked was that that the way the the lore was written at the time really was like had a feel of creation myths from all sorts of different mythology or if not even mythology, but older creation myths from older cultures Um and it put all of these story bits together. And it, for as vague as it was, it was interesting. And you started to catch glimpses of what this place could be. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I had no idea where this was going to go. Um, I don't know how much the guys at GW knew exactly where the story was going to go. I had no... I don't think anybody can claim that they had any idea of how big... And how all-encompassing and the giant scope of what the mortal realms were going to be. Uh, but you, you finally had an opportunity to play what you wanted to play, where you wanted to play, make your own stories. And yeah, I know a lot of that's narrative-based. But isn't that what we like to do? Like, isn't that really some of the, what some of the most fun about Age of Sigmar is. I mean, you got to do it with 40K. You could be like, oh, I'm just painting up my Space Marines however I want because this is a chapter that's a sub-chapter that's a successor chapter that almost nobody's heard of, but I can make all of it up because 40K spans literally millions of worlds. And it's like, oh, here's a world that they never talked about, but I get to make up. And now we got that. Um, remember when we were talking? It was one. It was a couple years back. You and I were, were talking about... Um, how you started to look at the realms and you're like, wow, we've been describing this realm for two years. It might have been Akshi. And then I think Probably. we said, and I think we said, like, if this was a pizza, like a big 16 inch pizza, what we spent the last two years discussing and the area we're discussing is like the size of a pepperoni on that pizza. Like, there's still all this unexplored. And we've got, you know, seven other realms or eight other realms. We, well, we haven't explored. Uh, you know, you, you still don't get into uh, Sigmar's realm. There's not a lot of fighting going on there. But all the other realms, um, 
we, we've just scratched the surface. There's so much potential. And that is what makes this so exciting. Watching people post up their armies and their stuff. And something you, you didn't get a chance to do as much in the world that was. Because everything had been so defined and so put together over 30 years. There wasn't a lot of places to explore. Um, and now suddenly everybody's doing that and i i love that about uh this new game i love that we started off with little space timelines and all of these just vague notions of things and over five years now they're really starting to become pretty well defined you're starting to see a lot of bits of lore interlace and things come together but even so after five years there's still realms we have they've barely scratched we know almost nothing about um, and for as fast and furious as everything's been coming out, there's still like, what do we know about the realm of shadows? Bubkis, basically. Um, still waiting to learn more about it because we don't know. And and it's been five years, mm-hmm. and there's still entire realms that we haven't even really scratched the surface of. I I, I just lore wise and hobby wise which is where my focus generally goes as everybody knows because I don't play that much because let's face it I'm no good at this game uh, but I do love it um, th- this is this is a storyteller's dream this is a uh, a narrative gamers uh, dream even though you don't have to be a narrative gamer you can still play competitive but it's it never loses that flavor for I'm not just playing this thing and everyone's got the same I mean you hit that at times but it's nothing like where you used to play and as soon as you found out what army the other person was playing you pretty much knew exactly what they were putting on the table you knew exactly what was going to happen here you never know what you're going to see and that's one of the most enjoyable parts I think to this game is and yeah, I don't play it as much as maybe you do or some of the other guys do. And I'm talking pre-pandemic. Uh, but every mm-hmm. time I rock up to a table, I bought Paca. I played five different armies, and I had no idea what to expect. Heck, my first game of Wapaka last year was against Lou, and we were both playing Night Haunt, and his army was so different from uh, in in the way it played and and what what he chose. Uh, I played five different armies, and I hadn't played against an army like any of them. You know, um, that's that's so much more fun to me to come up to a table and not be like, oh, yeah, I know this. Oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah I've seen this. And I suppose if I play a ton, I, I'll, I'd, I'd start to get that way. But I, it's not like I never play. And I still rock up to tables and be like, oh, okay, this is how it's played? This is interesting. Um, there, it's always exciting for me. And mm-hmm. I, that keeps it fresh after having played for so long to keep something to get something and make it fresh and new again is not easy and uh i i just i love it what about what about you is there anything you wanted to jump into before we talked about little specific things that we loved or things that were going on that we think are fantastic yeah i think the biggest change for me was the tone and the attitude in general from the system itself with 8th edition and then going through the end times, we were at minutes to midnight and then eventually midnight. With Age of Sigmar, 
and we've talked about this before, where it changes to a more hopeful outlook, a more like fighting against the darkness as opposed to just holding it back that cities can be rebuilt. Just the more hopeful and positive energy that came off of it, even though like obviously Nagash is doing nasty bits because that's what he does. And then Archeon's cruising around like you've got all these bad things that are still existing, but just the tone of it in general has been we can win. And that has made a huge difference because it was always just so dark and pessimistic. And I understand that a lot of people want that from their uh, game of choice. But I don't know. It just changes the attitude I think a lot of people have towards the game itself because it is more positive. It is a more hopeful outlook. And that in turn, I think, lifts the spirits of the people playing and enjoying the game is that it's you that it can be done the positive outlook i think has really just made a huge difference because it was always just so dark and i'm fine with grimdark i get it but i don't know i feel like once you read it and you can take that energy from the writing from the lore from just the general tone of how it's written and then apply it to your games makes a massive difference in your enjoyment level of it. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, for the first time ever since I was playing, uh, th- that's the whole start of the game. Yeah, it was really bad, and we were right at the we were right at the ragged edge. And then Sigmar opened the gates, and we are pushing them back. It was sort of it's 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 got a Thorgrim Grudgebearer sort of feel. If I could fall back, no, no, get edition. out, get out. Come on, dude. He was making the Book of Grudges smaller. He fought them back. They they were doing they they it, you know it, things were going in the right direction. Like good was triumphing, um, which we hadn't seen in no. a long time. Yeah, it was. No, it, I understand what you're saying, but that was good for. One race of people with very short expectations. Well, and... the whole thing died. You know, I mean, the whole world blew up. No, no, no. Later, but, but I'm more talking like just in general. It just kept getting darker and darker and darker. Even if you've got Thorgrim. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying you weren't. I'm just saying this whole game. That when when that started happening, when you when we were reading in the end times and you saw them push them back, and it's like, wow, they're really doing it. Like that was one of those rays of hope when we were reading the end time stories. When you kept saying, how are they going to beat this? How are they going to stop this? How are they going to move things back? Um, that little bit of lore in that whole world seemed like, oh my gosh, they're moving towards the good guys have a chance again. They're not just they're not just seeing how long they can hold out. They, they're they're turning the tide. Now that didn't happen in that game. I agree with you. I, I think we're on the same page. I'm just saying that that little glimmer back in the world that was is now it, it's it's the overall feel for the game. Now it's that whole we're pushing them back, except it's happening on almost every front. Um, so yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I, I'm just saying that it's it it. It, it was the glimmer that really excited me and got me happy in the in the end times and in, in and in eighth edition, where maybe we're moving to something where the good guys actually aren't completely on the back foot all the time. Um, I don't actually. I don't. Now I am going to disagree with you. I don't think there was ever a glimmer of hope. 
even in this in this one? No, in Age of Sigmar, absolutely. But eighth edition in times there was no glimmer of hope. Oh, I don't know. I I felt like there was only because I kept I I didn't think they were going to blow the world up. I, I kept thinking they're going to win, and I was just waiting to see. They kept they kept feed, giving us things that looked like oh here we go here we go. Here's where it yeah. turned it around, and it never happened. But there was all those little bits where you're like that. They got they got me hopeful. This is the thing that's going to win, and but it was always those small little things that got quashed. Here it's happening all over the place. I think I think in general we both agree that Age of Sigmar has a much more hopeful tone, right? Yes. Well, that because okay, then we are in agreement. It, whether how we got there and what we're talking about with end times, that's not that's that's not. Uh, it's not something we, you know, I'm, I'm going to worry about too much. I think that I think we're both trying to get to the same place, just through different uh, descriptions, right? Yeah. Um, and that's God. I just, you know, every time we cover an army book, I get excited, and I got that way before. But here, it's it, there's it's just such a different mood, and. Story wise, game wise, release wise, um, I know we had mentioned Warhammer Community, and I think we should just talk about that a little bit because when they did, like you said, when they came to Adepticon, when they had a meeting with us, when they talked to the different uh, players and the different groups about what we wanted to see and what was going on, um, they care, and this is. Uh, I'd say one of the first times that we really saw this happening where they, they wanted to know what we wanted because they wanted to give us the game we wanted and we're really getting it. And not only that, but we're seeing stuff. They're interacting with us. They're on all different social media. There's constant, constant updating of stuff. And that's, that's probably, I think that's a, a big part of it, even though, a lot of that has to do with the rules and the more competitive side and keeping things uh, balanced. I think the idea that you know that you're going to get updates every so often, that you know that every six months to a year something's going to be looked at at what you've got and there's going to be some adjustments made, um, that you're going to get FAQs within weeks, not months or years. Um, how many times did you get a book and you're like, okay, you get three a year and if whatever book you got, this is the one you're playing and you're going to be playing it for the next three or four years, but no changes. Um, right. Nothing. I mean, even a Stormcast, and I'm not even talking about the fact that they've had, what, three, four books come out for Stormcast. Four. Four. Um, you're still making all these adjustments. There's constantly stuff coming out. There's constantly uh, being, it's constantly being looked at and tweaked and adjusted. And, and that's, that's important. And I, it, I think it makes for a lot more fun. And my hat's off to the Warhammer community because I know you remember when they started and there was like two guys, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing all of that work. And now that's a big chunk of their uh, of their of, of their staff working towards, you know, being that conduit, making sure that this is that they're they're hearing the feedback, they're taking it in, and they're and they're adjusting their game accordingly. And let and the guys who do the stuff online do a good job too, because they they're uh, they take a lot of flack at times, and they still come in and they're still having fun. And but they still, also give it back. That yep, yes they do. Which 
I really enjoy reading it when you get those good comments coming in like that. It's always fun to see them, uh, you know, them uh, playing with the audience and not just uh, not just always trying to, you know, getting defensive and stuff like that. It's generally just a more humanistic approach that they've given for the company, for the games that they're producing, and just the attitude in general. Because like we had talked about earlier, it was a completely different company Mm -hmm. at the end of 8th. And the direction that they've gone in, the changes that they've made, just the whole outlook, it's all changed. And it's been absolutely amazing. And having been um, on the inside a little bit with the playtesting process... um, and actually being able to talk to guys like Jervis talking about the direction that the game is heading and where things are going and just the outlook in general. It's just that kind of honesty and involvement has made a world of difference. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they're even reaching out and trying to do other things because we started this year at school and Games Workshop was the one who put it out there on the community page of hey, school clubs. Yeah. I mean, before school got shut down, we were meeting weekly and we had guys playing kids playing war cry. We had kids playing underworlds. We had kids playing small games of age of Sigmar because we only got to meet for like, you know, 75 minutes, you know, cause we had, we were only or 90 minutes tops. Cause that's all that's, you had to be done by a certain time. Kids had other responsibilities. Kids had things they had to do. Um, We'd play from, you know, yeah, like 3.15 to like, you know, 4.30, 4.45. Then we had to get it all done. Um, but just that they were like, yeah, we'll send you out some stuff and get you going and, and, and give you all sorts of uh, tips and clues uh, on how to run things. I mean, they had club structures and all sorts of stuff in there, stuff I, I you'd never seen before. And... I mean, we've got a bunch of kids now at school. I mean, and a lot of those kids were not. I mean, we had a few seniors, and and obviously they're gone. But this year, if we do have this sort of a club thing going, if they figure out how to do it, um, how clubs are going to work after school with uh, you know social distancing and stuff, um, we got a lot of kids who and you know my students they've, they've already been contacting me. Whitech, when when school goes back, are we going to run Warhammer Club? I'm like, I'm sure hope so, and they're like, well, so do we. <laughs> oh, great. Um, it's, it's, we, there's so much, it's such a larger, better, happier, more in touch community than we've ever had before. And I am for one ecstatic about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Is there any, look, I know we've got a couple other topics we want to touch and we've still got a good, uh, 10 minutes or so before we wrap up. So is there any, uh, any other stuff you wanted to talk about? I think the big thing, I, the last thing I want to talk about, like I actually legit want to talk about, is what was your first game of Age of Sigmar? Oh. Like, on the neon thing they uh, provided for us, as far as like things to talk about, um, is to describe the first positive experience that indicated AOS was the primary game for you. Do you remember that aha moment for you? It's got to be on one of these recordings back on those episodes somewhere. For me, uh, 
it took a while. I remember my first couple games, and some of them went well, and some of them didn't. You know, Harrison was still home. We were still trying to play it. Uh, Chris, you came over. We were playing it. I don't even remember what I played. It had to be my uh, undead. But we, I remember we pulled out everything. We pulled everything out. We had tried all the different armies, tried all the different stuff, tried to get things going. Uh, I I don't... I don't remember what exactly made it click that said this is it for me. I mean, it's a few years back. I'm sure. Do you remember your moment? I had two. Oh, there you go. Let's do that. Maybe it'll. Well, while you're talking, I can spring mine. Um, so the day that all the rules dropped, uh, John Winger, friend of the show, uh, he had come over to the house and we were checking him out, and we were looking through him and we were laughing at him, like legit, like full-on belly laugh this is ridiculous and then we went and played a game of eighth edition in my basement we were done in a turn and a half um of eighth like, edition yeah okay because we i was playing tomb kings at the time he was playing slanesh and it was one of those things if i killed his demon prince i won and if i didn't he won that's literally what it came down to with where things were at in the game uh-huh um and he won i think i'm pretty sure he did i don't remember it's not important. The point is one of us lost turn one and a half. Um, so then the next time we got together, we said, you know what? Let's try this. Let's see how it goes. And we just made a quick little battle plan where we're trying to capture snotlings or something. And it was just three objectives. And it was my now gloom spite. So the old night goblins against his dark elves, now darkling covens for the most part. We lost all track of time playing that game. And we were just having so much fun. Like his Hydra rampaged into Skarsnik and ate him alive. And then I had a unit of 40 night goblins go in and punk the Hydra. Just completely destroyed it. And the last models that were on the table when we finally called it was one repeater bolt thrower crewman and two night goblins. That was it. We didn't care. We were just having that much fun of, all right, this is going to work. Everything's going to be okay. And that's why we got up and went through it. I really think that if I had not played that game with John, we would not have gotten to where we are now, at least with me. Um, and then obviously that impacts everything that I've done since then with Age of Sigmar saying, hey, guys, it's going to be okay. We're going to make this work. So that was the moment. And then the other one was, I know this is going to sound silly, but I played a eighth edition team tournament uh, in Ohio, uh, strength in numbers. It was run by uh, Jeff Parkhurst, the guys that put together the Buckeye battles Mm -hmm. um, tournament. At the time it was eighth edition. I was on a team with, John Cash, Gary Luther, and uh, Will Fergus. So the four of us were playing, and I distinctly remember I played five games that weekend of 8th edition using my favorite army, my Night Goblins, and I don't remember enjoying a single damn game. (laughs) And it was one of those things that I finally got to play 
a lot of the people that I've been wanting to play for a very long time. Like Bill Robertson, that was the first time he and I had ever played. And Taraj, um, or Taraz, I've known him from the Ohio crew for years, and I never got to play him, and I finally did. Um, like, just so many people, and I didn't enjoy a damn game. I distinctly remember not having fun. Okay. And I was having more fun just talking to people, but the game itself was just so crap at the time, and I just did not enjoy it at all. And I remember getting booed at when I suggested that we would just continue with Age of Sigmar at Adepticon. And Oh, yeah. I remember the people putting out the petitions. Yeah, and even the Buckeye Battles that year, um, the kid that came in last place, he got a box of Age of Sigmar, like the starter box. Uh, the original with the corn and the Stormcast, and he got booed for it because that's what he... He won that as a prize because he came in last. Um, oh, boy. So it was just one of those things that's like, okay, I don't, I didn't enjoy the game anymore with 8th Edition. And you know, to see right at the end of 8th Edition to see, have those negative play experiences where I just didn't enjoy it in what I was doing to then play one game of AOS and have it turn everything around. That's the aha. And that's... Like, I still have that vivid memory of me and John playing in the basement, just not even caring, because we were having so much fun, and it was so refreshing to play a game and have fun. Yeah. I See, for me it was different, because for me I was getting on here every two weeks and trying to talk to people about a game that I didn't understand. Um, to be fair, you still don't understand it. Well, no, I don't, but I didn't, like... I, that, I know. That's a different reason I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, because it, I, there were so many ups and downs. I had so much fun playing one game, and then the next game it's like, oh, wow, that was really not fun um and it was and i know exactly what it was and i think i think if i'm going to nail down an aha moment and i think it was when we finally realized the uh when they put out uh that first book and it had the uh battle plans for the different like cuz if you remember and i know you remember uh audience members if you were playing right when Age of Sigmar came out and all of the um, Realm Gate Wars, every book that came out had battle plans with objectives. I mean, the stuff we always play now, you got to have a battle plan. Well, when, when, when it dropped, there were no battle plans. No. There was no battle plan. Try, picture playing a game of Age of Sigmar where it's just like, okay, put your models on the table and fight. And you'd be like, well, what That's- are we what it was, but it was weird deployments too. Like they gave us some deployment maps, but not. Mm-hmm. But there much were. More. No, but we had no objectives. We had none of the stuff that makes the game what it is. And you, you need that. The narrative element, the ability to play the game and tell a story, um, did that. And it was once we sat down and we were playing with battle plans. That was the moment where I'm like, oh, this is the game I like. 
wait, we're holding these objectives, doing this. And it did. And it reminded me of 40K a lot, a lot of objective grabbing and things like that. But it wasn't uh, roll dice and tie. It wasn't jump in and grab. There was all sorts of parts to it. And if I'm going to if if I'm going to pick a specific game, the one that sticks out in memory was at your house when I came over that day and a lot of the Skull Bros were there and we were all playing different things and Rotor and Broska and I went down in your basement and Rotor had his uh, 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 Seraphon, well at the time they were still Lizardmen, and I had the Stormcast and... um, I didn't know my rules. Like we were still learning to play. Uh, Brasco was really helping out. He had the the book there with all this, so he was looking up the stuff and the stats so we could keep the game going. So we knew what to roll and what to do because we didn't know all this stuff. And uh, like I had, I, I had a Stormcast list with different models that they, like the guys in their gaming group, had never used or played with really. So it's like, oh wow, that guy's cool. That that rule that you do that, and it was like three places of power. I think we were playing the one, uh, you know, the 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 three objectives, and the longer you hold them, you get points for how long you've held them. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. I lost that game to Rotor, if I recall correctly. Um, he had he just held on to the but it came down to those last die rolls, and it's like, wait, this can be strategic. This can be tactical. This. Uh, the, the the way you build your list, you know, well, we, you need to build a balance. That was one of the things we were talking. You really need to build build a balanced list. You can't just build a gun line or this or that because when once you have all these these narrative elements of the game that came in, made it much more um, practical to to play a well rounded game, and it was fantastic. That was one of the most fun games. I had had it was probably the most fun I had had up to that point still one of the most fun games I've had in the five years we've been playing this and that was where I realized we could do it uh that things that this this was definitely something that I'm like okay I'm in I'm I mean I, I was probably in before it you know at least I was positive about the system but if I if I have to think back that's the thing that's the memory that keeps coming back to me was sitting there and just being like wow this this can be really cool we can have a lot of fun with this. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think, I think we've, and I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, like I said, the game is, is outselling what the old version ever did. Uh, we got more people coming in every day. Uh, look at just the amount of, of, uh, you know, podcasts and YouTube channels and all this stuff. I mean, we had a bunch of it before it ended, but there's so much out there and, and what's out there, with very few exceptions, all came out after Age of Sigmar dropped. These aren't guys who were there playing and just kept it going. Now, I think I think Vince and Tom at Warhammer Weekly have been doing that forever. So they were around well before Age of Sigmar started, and they were doing their thing. But I don't think I don't think there's a show. Uh, most of the YouTube channels are that are playing now, and I, I don't claim to know every Warhammer related YouTube channel. So if yours has been around since seventh, eighth edition, or whatever sixth edition, whatever, I mean, good on you. I'm I'm not trying to discount what you were doing. Um, but I think I can't think of a podcast right now that's consistently putting out material that was out around before Age of Sigmar. Like all the ones I listen to now. For ages, Age of Sigmar were not, I mean, and that's and that's not 
putting them down or praising them. That's just stating facts that there is a huge, I mean, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of Warhammer podcasts out there. Um, and they've all sprung up in the last four or five years. And th- these are people who are passionate and love the game and are out there playing it every day. And it's, and it's not that, I mean, it's not the holdovers. It's not the people who played and, and went through the change. These are people, in fact, what surprised me, I think, the most is when you hear the, a lot of these podcasts and you're talking to these guys and they, they never even played before Age of Sigmar. Like, this is their first edition, you know? Exactly. And it's like, wow, our, a lot of our communities out there, it, it, it's, it's attracting players because it's still a fun tactical game. We're having a blast with it. But you can play the way you like. It's it's so it, the narrative element I think is is the big attraction. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's an element we used to lack when we would just play battle line. You know exactly. So I know we have to wrap it because you've got to go and look at your new house, and uh, I've got to go and uh, take care of my children. And get things going. Hey, it happens. We got to go to. We got to go and, and get groceries and things like that. And I've got stuff I got to do. And uh, you know, hey, it happens. But folks, I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, just us chit chatting about you know what we like to play. Uh, I know it's short, and I'll be back in a couple weeks talking something new, probably Realm Lords, because Lord knows I'm just super excited about that. Maybe if, if who knows what we're going to do, though. i got to find someone who actually wants to talk about Warhammer and then bring them in. Who knows? Maybe we'll continue this conversation anyway. I don't know, because I have no idea what I'm doing. That's kind of my whole life right now. Wake up, think about putting on pants, you know, maybe have a cup of coffee, and then uh, just uh, do stuff. You, yep. my friend, will be super busy, and I will see you. Well, I'll, I'll be talking to you, but we'll see you back on the show in a couple of episodes, a few episodes late, uh, in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you're hoping for? I mean, not just not rules-wise or game-wise, because I know you, you do some of that stuff, but is there anything that you would like to see moving Drop forward? Drop back Scuttlers and give me my Gargans. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. There you go. Okay. Okay. Um, for me right now, I'm just sitting back watching the game, and I know I know Harrison is loving the R- Lumineth Realm Lords, but even he's looking, going, "Where's Tyrion?" Harrison's looking for see where Tyrion and Malarian. That's his big question. That's the thing that keeps getting asked in our house. Um, you know what? We're gonna take a. Oh, we don't have time. We, dude, we didn't even take enough breaks. I'm gonna have to put two commercials in in one slot. Oh, I'm, I'm the worst. I am just we terrible know. at this. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, let's just thank everybody really quick so we can get going. Um, thank you to all our sponsors, uh, KSRG Superstore, Six Squared Studios, Grognard Games, and all of the Patreon patrons, especially our associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, Lance Pear, and our executive producers, Colin Miller, Andrew Frankusen, and our newest patrons, the Dans, Daniel Chilton and Dan Warner. Thank you all for becoming one, becoming, that's not a word. Thank you for being part of the 1% who make this show and everything we do possible. Folks, remember that only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. 
If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at GarageHammer. And Alex, that's me, is at SomeKindOfGeek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at SoundCloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the GarageHammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.